Welcome to Dose of Support, a podcast for healthcare professionals to preserve stories and provide a dose of support to each other through community and shared experiences. We're going to share successful and sometimes not successful self-care methods. And I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner and a professional just like you. Remember, I'm hosting this podcast, but I'm not your healthcare provider, and my guests aren't here to provide healthcare advice either. But we do encourage you to seek out care from your own healthcare professional. And although we're sharing stories from healthcare, I intend to fully adhere to HIPAA and protect privacy. And remember, this podcast is not related to any employer. It's hard out there, so let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned, everyone. Hey, self-care squad. Thanks for joining me today. I am checking in for our huddle with, you know, coming off of a really fun little getaway that my husband and I had. We got married in the Boundary Waters five years ago, and we returned there for last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And if you don't know, it's a really remote national forest area in the northern part of the United States. And there's literally no cell service. They like just got Wi-Fi, but um, like no one can call you or text you. And like, that's it. You are out in the wilderness. There's bears. We saw a bald eagle. We did a bunch of hiking. The weather was beautiful and I enjoyed a bunch of wine and really good food. So um, it was just a really nice getaway, but it was actually like the first time that we did a weekend away since our baby was born and we missed him so much. And it's just the longest we've been away from him. So I couldn't wait to get back. Anyway, shout out to my coworkers for covering me while I was out and to family who stepped in for my little guy to have some family time while we were gone. And I prepped before I went out of town for work and I feel like that's made the rest of my week really good. Like I knew what was on my schedule already, all my charts were closed, like I walked into the week feeling really good. And so I think that prepping before you travel is always a good idea. And it's not always easy to do, but some people like clean their house or they go grocery shopping before they go out of town. So when they come back, they have everything they need. And so there's a, you know, pro tip from me to you. Um, I think that this helped me a lot coming off of a weekend of traveling and then coming home and not having to scramble or worry about anything when it comes to work. So, okay, this week, I have to say that my eyes were literally opened to a group of healthcare professionals that are so forgotten, but really they're therapists in their own right. And so sit tight And throw your preconceived notions about music therapy aside because it's just so much more. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Dose of Support. Today, my guest is the director of Living Spirit Therapy Services, and she's a board-certified music therapist. She holds a master's degree and is joining us from the Twin Cities today. She'll share a variety of stories that bring joy to her practice. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Okay. So I think the listeners, we haven't had a music therapist on the show before. And music therapy is 
undervalued, underappreciated, but like everyone also loves music. And so it's so strange to have that dichotomy in healthcare. Um, can you describe what a music therapist is by definition? Yes. Thank you so much for bringing up that point. It it really is an interesting thing because music is such a natural part of everybody's daily life. It is in every important celebration. We hear it all, every day on the radio, on TV. It's just a natural part of our life. And for it to be so un, unrecognized is, is, is hard. So thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to come on and share with your listeners a little bit more about that. Music therapy is an allied health service similar to physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech language pathology that uses music as a therapeutic tool to address physical, cognitive, social, emotional, psychological, spiritual, and or behavioral needs. That's like... A mouthful. It, it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the most important thing, though, is that it's not the aesthetic quality of the music that's the most important part. That's what makes it really fun and non-threatening. Uh, but what is the greatest thing about music therapy and what makes it different from just enjoying music is that we're using the music to work on non-musical goals um, ah. in a variety of different ways. Okay, okay. So this is like going to physical therapy or going to occupational therapy, but you're using the music as the therapy. Exactly. To, and I'm guessing that you set certain goals that you're trying to meet with that, with that treatment. And so to look at it more in a clinical way, I think might be helpful for some of our listeners and, and to not look at it in an artistic way. Um, and we know that healthcare is this blend of art and science. Um, so, Tell me, like, what got you interested in working in healthcare in the first place? Goodness, it was kind of an interesting roundabout story. I uh, was not intending to go into music as my career. I, uh, as a child, I played the bassoon and the saxophone, was in the choir, was in the jazz band, the orchestra, the chamber orchestra. I did all the music, but was not planning on that being what I did for a living. Uh, but I was in college uh, and was working with an individual with developmental disabilities who was literally surviving because of her music therapist. Um, and um, it, it was it was amazing. She was 12 years old, had cerebral palsy, was mentally impaired, had psych and behavioral issues, uh, and was uh, dealing with a lot of other complex medical issues. And she was a holy terror if music was not involved. I took her uh, to a camp and um, was her direct care professional. Um, she would get herself worked up and they would tell me to take her to the nurse's office to get these heavy duty psych meds. And she said, no, yeah. I'm going to make my music therapist proud. And she did. She would calm herself down using the coping strategies that her music therapist gave her. Um, so just to like clarify, you were you were like a direct caregiver to this young lady mm -hmm. and you were inspired by the music therapists that were working with her. Exactly. And that, and you thought, oh, my God, I have to do this. I have to do that. And it's like, that's exactly what it was. She was literally it was the difference between a miserable existence and being the happiest, cutest kid ever if she was using oh. the strategies that her music therapist taught her. It wow. was truly beautiful. And so I finished up the degree program I was working on and then went back right into school for another degree. So 
let's talk about that because at the top of the show, I said that you have a master's degree. So Mm -hmm. what does the average music therapist have to go through? Yes. So there is a, it's typically a a four and a half year degree program for music therapy. Uh, Although if you have a, a degree in music or a related field, uh, you don't have to do quite as long, uh, which is what I did. Uh, that's called an equivalency program. Uh, but typically, there's a regular undergrad program. Um, in addition to uh, bachelor's level training, as you mentioned, you can get a master's, which I've done, or there's even music therapist with doctorates. So it is very definitely an established field. Um, for the training, uh, you do all the requirements of music performance or music education, but also coursework in biology, special education, psychology, communication disorders, exceptional persons, counseling, um, lots of different specific things on how music um, how music uh, works with the body and the brain and can change how we function and how we think and how we feel. Um, specialized, all sorts of specialized music therapy coursework as well. So to clarify for like a student that's out there listening, um, there are music therapy programs that you can do at the bachelor's level, but if you already have a bachelor's degree, you can still go into a master's program. They call it an equivalency program uh, where you essentially get the second, a second uh, undergraduate degree. Oh, okay. So a second bachelor's Gotcha. And then, so once you go through a music therapy program, is that it? Are you done? Like, do you do you take an exam? Do you have a residency? Part of our schooling is doing uh, practica and clinical work with people with special needs in a variety of different settings. Um, so we have some clinical work okay. in our, our regular training. But once we are finished with our, our core school work, uh, we go into uh, an internship Uh, It's typically six months uh, full time or whatever the uh, time equivalent. Uh, Many people extend it to uh, be able to work part time as well. Um, So we do that. And then there is a board certification exam uh, and we have to take and pass that and then also maintain continuing education as well. Wow. So. Oh, tell me, tell me what the board Uh exam is like, because I've taken a lot of boards and um in music therapy, there's such a performative aspect to it. So is this a written test? It that is. You take it is boards? a written test. And I have to admit, I would not want to take it again. <laughs> it's definitely challenging and very comprehensive. Um, um, research is constantly changing uh, as far as uh, what we know and what we understand about the body and the brain and how music impacts that. Um, and there is a risk f- uh, for people to get into some sticky situations. So it's really important um, that people understand the, the reasoning behind the, the, the training. But I guarantee it is worth it. <laughs> if people love music and they love helping people, this is just a phenomenal way to do both. So tell me more about these detrimental effects that music can have on folks, because I don't know anything about that besides hearing loss <laughs> when you, go, you can't go to those loud concerts without ear protection. Um, yeah, music is a very powerful tool. And I mentioned how the body and the brain respond um, and it can uh, bring up memories and associations that are very challenging for folks. For example, I, I work with a lot of individuals in memory care. Uh, and was singing when Irish eyes are smiling one day. And this gentleman just went into a pure panic attack because that is the song that they sang to calm their nerves as they were going to shore in battle. Uh, So 
we needed that counseling, oh, uh, yes. those counseling skills to be able to help him in a safe manner to process that and to get through um, and to be aware. Uh, and then on another side uh, from an overexertion standpoint, if you think of what it feels like to exercise with or without music, it's it's just way more fun. It's easier. It's just a uh, can be kind of like a dance party if you're exercising with music. But yeah. that strong, steady beat, it helps recruit more motor neurons in your muscles, which is why it works so much better. Your muscles are working more efficiently, more accurately. Uh, you don't have to work as hard. You don't fatigue as fast. I don't need as much recovery time, which is why it's great for exercise. But if you're working with a population of people, for example, um, the elderly, uh, or an individual with cerebral palsy who has limited mobility, and they start to overexert because it's so fun, um, that can get them into serious trouble. So, where do where do music therapists work? I tell me the spectrum of where you can find a music therapist. Yes, all over the place. Pretty much, <laughs> when you work with any population of people with special needs, um, could be a rehab facility, a medical hospital, outpatient clinic, senior centers, nursing homes, hospice programs, uh, day treatment centers, uh, agencies for people with developmental disabilities, mental health centers, hospitals, or I mentioned hospitals already, um, correctional facilities, private practice schools, halfway houses. I mean, any population of people with special needs, we can work with them. And even now um, with COVID happening and so much stress, so much, um, so many challenges that all of us are facing on a daily basis. Uh, we also work with the well, the well populations yeah. um, to help with stress management and coping. And I um, would love to talk a little bit more in depth about that later in yeah, the show. Absolutely. Uh, but, I think yeah. that's really important for all the healthcare professionals and students that are listening. They, they, we all need some help coping right now. Yes. Um, <laughs> great. So I think that as I've worked in a variety of, of, areas in healthcare myself. And I have seen music therapists more so in outpatient ambulatory areas. And what I, what I think is underappreciated is the role that you can play in, I think, more acute situations, um, like, like in an, an acute dying situation or um, an acute illness in the hospital. And I don't feel like music therapists are utilized inpatient as much as they could be. So can you speak a little bit to the availability, first of all? Like, is it easy to find a music therapist? Um, like, or are they understaffed? Or like, can you speak a little bit to that yeah, aspect? Yeah, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> But let me start with uh, just a couple of um, a couple of those pieces, and remind me of questions if I don't get to all of them. Um, so you mentioned the uh, situation where someone is dying, and that is actually probably where the most people are familiar with music therapy these days is through hospice. Um, most hospice programs have a music therapist already on staff uh, or contract with them uh, because that very situation is so complicated and music therapist and hospice can do just an unbelievable amount of, of, of good in that setting. Uh, for example, gosh, I had one situation where uh, somebody was actively dying in the bed and the family was just standing in the doorway because our culture just does not cope with end of life. No, we don't talk about it. We don't 
think about it, we don't do it because it's just taboo, um, which is really unfortunate. But uh, so this gentleman just didn't know how to cope and didn't know what to do. Um, when people are dying, sometimes it looks pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to get that loved one sitting next to the person who was dying, holding their hands and going through what we call the four gifts. Thank you. Goodbye. I'm sorry. And I love you. Um, and structuring conversation through the music. Um, they, you would start with just something that's uh, a song that's comforting and familiar. And then use the music to facilitate reminiscence and life review and to talk about hard things in a indirect way so that they had that closure. That's like a true therapy aspect. I mean, that's almost like like behavioral therapy, like counseling. It, um, that's where it's incredible. From a hospital standpoint, uh, a lot of the hospitals for children's, um, a lot of the children's hospitals has music therapists on staff. Um, in that setting, um, we can use the music to, um, to make things not as scary. I yeah. remember in my training, I did a, a rotation in um, meds, medical, surgical, and oncology in pediatrics. And we would use the music to um, calm the children down so that the doctors could do their exams or to help them uh, distract uh, when they're doing uh, blood draws and things like that. Yeah. Make that setting not so scary and not so negative um, and not so overwhelming to structure time with family members um, because it can get really awkward um, if you're, especially if they're in long term. Um, so, to be able to structure some positive interaction with family members, help the children to, and the parents as well. I'm a parent now, so I understand how stressful it is to watch your kid just getting a book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Take some of that stress and fear from both the parents and the children. Uh, in the adult uh, setting, we use the music to help seniors who have dementia, who don't understand why they're there, um, to keep them calm um, with individuals who are, uh, we worked with people with eating disorders um, to help them process and want to be in treatment. Um, so there's tons of different ways that we can use it in the acute setting. Okay. Uh, as far as accessibility of music therapists, if people are looking to partner with a music therapist, and please, 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 <laughs> it is so underutilized and it's really sad, um, go to uh, music uh, musictherapy.org uh, is our American Music Therapy Association website. Okay. And you will be able to find a music therapist to work with. So. Speaking of that, I, I think a lot of, for example, insurance companies sometimes cover counseling and sometimes don't. So as far as the services that a music therapist can provide, what kind of coverage can people, I mean, are they paying out of pocket for your services or can sometimes your services be covered? Yeah, it totally depends on um, the setting that you're in. Uh, for children with special needs uh, here in Minnesota, the waiver system um, will cover a certain certain types of waivers will cover music therapy. Okay, uh, and that is true in most states, uh, especially for kids. Uh, in I have worked with an individual in stroke rehab uh, with long term care insurance, 
Some music therapists are successful working with regular insurance. Uh, I have not had that success, but I know that some are. So it's definitely worth asking. In that situation, you typically have to pay out of pocket and not get reimbursed for that. Okay. Uh, but it can be done. Absolutely. Uh, in like a medical situation or uh, for um, groups in memory care, um, or um, mental health work. Uh, typically, that is sponsored by the facility that you're working in, or in the school systems. It's sponsored by the school okay. uh, for group work in some situations, some one-on-one as well, too. Okay. So it's a combination of private pay, uh, waivers, and um, insurance. Okay. I, I wonder if that's why it is underutilized in some facilities is, is a paying issue, which is, which is terrible. I mean, like our whole healthcare system is so messed up. I mean, we're not going to fix that here, but, but to understand that that's the barrier, I think that's important. And I actually just now, like I I literally Googled musictherapy.org. That is the site. And it just says, find a music therapist done. Um, and you are in private practice, is that correct? So your your company, Living Spirit Therapy Services, is a Twin Cities-based music therapy um, company. And so tell us a little bit about the difference between being hired at like a hospital or in a hospice program versus in a private practice like you are. There are um, a variety of differences <laughs> uh, within private practice. Uh, typically, um, there's some that have a physical building that people go to. Uh, our practice is based on an in-home model. Uh, so we are going to private homes, nursing homes, assisted livings, residential homes, uh, kind of like a group home setting, mm-hmm. um, treatment centers. So throughout the day, we just go where the clients are. Okay. Um, I started this model because there are so many people who are not ambulatory, don't have transportation, um, can't leave um, wherever they are. Um, so to help with access, we go to them. Okay. Um, and with that, we frequently will see people within a different type of population. We'll see somebody um, in an assisted living facility, uh, go to a group home, uh, and then a private home. So it, it varies significantly. One thing that's wonderful about working in a private practice setting is that um, typically there's just really solid understanding of what music therapy is. We just do the treatment. We have all the resources that we need um, to do it. Um And we just, that's what we do. Um, In a facility-based situation, uh, you don't have to deal as much with the funding challenges, which is really helpful. Uh, But sometimes there's not as much understanding of what your role and capacity really can be. So you have to be able to be that educator to professionals. And yeah, okay. All right. So what is the best part about being a music therapist? Oh my goodness. There's so many. <laughs> you have to pick one. <laughs> I get to play music all day, and that's pretty awesome. But I think the most gratifying part of my job and what just fills my cup every day going to work uh, is that we get to help people when other situations didn't work. Obviously, there are situ- we can't guarantee the results that we'll have, yeah. but music is processed in 
large parts of the brain instead of just being a language center or just a movement center the the lyrics the rhythm the memories the associations the emotional content all of those different components of music activate different parts of the brain so if there's damage to the brain from a stroke or dementia um, or a brain injury we can re-access information and get to it in a different way uh, so I've got a woman that I worked with who had a stroke, and this was even 12 years after she had her stroke. So anybody who tries to tell you that you have six months to recover from a stroke, please keep on going. You can still make progress. Um, so 12 years after her stroke, she could say yes, 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 no, no, no. Yes did not mean yes, and no did not mean no. Uh, so she had zero functional language wow. and uh, was just told by her neurologist and her speech therapist that she just wasn't going to talk anymore. Oh. I worked with her for a long time, twice a week. Uh, and by the time we were done with therapy, she was I was able to record her saying, good morning, the name of her daughter and the name of her, her husband. I just wanted to say that I love you. Oh. And I just tell you that moment was hands down my professional high. It was just oh. incredible. Again, we can't guarantee that we can fix everybody, but using the rhythm and the melody, using rhythm and melody, we were able to activate different parts of her brain and retrain it to speak. That's amazing. I literally have goosebumps and chills. Isn't it like awesome? I I mean, I was like, I should have brought a sweater to this room when I when I started recording. And that kind of thing happens all the time. I had another gentleman that I worked with in hospice who had been married for 50, 60 years and didn't even recognize his spouse anymore. There was no emotional connection. He couldn't put three words together that made sense. So no positive interaction. It was just a heartbreaking situation. And being the spouse or being the family members and having no connection is just heartbreaking. Yeah. I played always. He turns to his wife that he didn't recognize five minutes ago and says clear as day, that was our song, wasn't it? Oh. It was their wedding song. Oh. He was able to make an emotional connection. You are my wife. Wow. To formulate a memory and then to articulate it. He couldn't put three words together that made sense. Um all because of the music and that the way that the music works in the brain and the body. That's beautiful. Those are great stories. I'm like, I'm smiling. Can you hear me smiling right now? Isn't it great? <laughs> um, so you, you see a lot of like sad things. You see some death in your, in your role. Um, and, and I, you know, our culture in America is so, you know, avoiding, avoiding death, but you know, it's coming for all of us. So <laughs> you the guarantee in life. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you, you confront that all the time in your work. And I'm wondering what's the hardest part of your job? Honestly, the hardest part of my job is knowing that we can help somebody and not having the funding to do it. Ah, so all the barriers that we kind of talked about earlier. Things that healthcare workers are being faced with right now are just horrific. Um, they're not being able to care with, for people as they typically would. Uh, they're not given the resources that they need. They don't have the time that they need. And they're just seeing horrific things over and over and over again. Um, and we know that if you keep doing that same thing, PTSD and other stress-related issues are just on the other side of that if they don't take care. So the listeners know that I, I really care about that. That's kind of how 
dose of support was born is seeing a need for us to learn about each other and to learn about the different the different ways we can support each other and our patients, but also um, to capture those stories that people are living and where there's there's no outlet, there's not there's no platform. And so I created it. And so it sounds like you're very passionate about helping healthcare workers as well. And let, I think we should sit with that for a moment. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how how we can do that and some self-care. And Melissa's going to maybe serenade us with her recommendations. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with our board-certified music therapist, Melissa Spees. Welcome back, Melissa. She's going to share how music therapy can help healthcare workers. Take it away, Melissa. Yes. So uh, we were talking a little bit before the break about the stress and the challenges that so many of us are facing right now. Healthcare workers are usually in very challenging situations with poor staffing ratios, high demands for productivity, not having the tools to do their job. Uh, right now, we have all the added stress for, with COVID, um, and which puts people at a super high risk for burnout, compassion fatigue. Um, and honestly, I I have a horrible feeling there's going to be a lot of PTSD mm -hmm. uh, from healthcare workers who aren't able to stop and take a breath. And I just want to say, like, that stuff was present before COVID. We were working within systems that were unsupportive and we were doing the best we could with very little. And we're trying to help people and save people with not enough resources. And so I think what Melissa's getting at is now that COVID is here, um, it's going to, those, those problems are going to be exponentially worse. And, yeah. and nobody cares about healthcare workers like we do here at Dose of Support. So what are your ideas around how to treat this? You know, just another thought on that is it's not, the healthcare workers, I think, are dealing with the worst. Uh, but also keep in mind that many of these healthcare workers are also parents um, in dealing with the education of their children and yes. coping of their children through all of this craziness too uh, might be married to a business owner who is struggling with just keeping their doors open. So the level of stress is just, uh, everybody keeps using the word unprecedented and it's getting really old really fast, but this is a really unprecedented level of stress and challenge that we are dealing with. And we have to get creative in ways to deal with it and have to be getting really serious about taking care of our own selves. I work and work and work, and it's very hard for me to take the time to take care of myself. I teach people how to do self-care all the time, but it's hard for me to do it myself. So I understand how hard it is and that people, they come from an exhausting 12-hour shift, and the last thing they want to do is think about anything. They just want to kick up their feet and just blank out, right? Right. But if we take a few moments throughout the day to just do some deep breathing, if we take just a five-minute break, if you're able to get five, actually, let me rewind a little bit. 
it takes 30 seconds to completely reset your nervous system. If you just take six deep breaths, it can reset your brain. You can reset your body. It can reset your attitude. It can help you to cope with all of the stress that you're dealing with. Uh, One little technique that we use in hospice all the time is before we're going into the room of a patient who's actively dying or a family situation that's really tense, just stop. Take a couple deep breaths before you go in and reset your system so that your mind is clear. You've left the patient that you've seen right before behind and you're just focusing on what you're going into. Another thing that can be really helpful is just before you even go in for your shift, um, and this is for nurses, this is for for um, aides, this is for everybody because we're all dealing with stress at, at really high levels. Before you even go in for your shift, just take and get there five minutes early and just stop, put on your favorite song and just breathe. Just take some deep breaths to reset your system so that you're going in not stressed out. If you're in a situation that's really high stress, you're on the way there. You're just thinking about the negativity and the, and the hopelessness of the situation. And if you can reset before you even go in, now, that can help. Melissa, you were saying during our break, you were saying that that is not music therapy. Listening to a song Like if you're taking time on your own to listen to a song before your shift to kind of reset your brain like that, that isn't music therapy. Can you speak to that a little bit? I'm so grateful that you mentioned that, Vanessa. Thank you. So one thing um, that is really important to keep in mind uh, is that many people can use music therapeutically. However, it can only be called music therapy when a board certified music therapist is facilitating it and they are working towards specific goals and objectives. If we have uh, Living Spirit Therapy Services has created uh, what we're calling an empowering wellness initiative. And a lot of these techniques are not music therapy, but using music therapy concepts to help people to be able to cope and to to address their own self-care and wellness. That is not music therapy. Uh, But if we were to do a one-on-one individualized session where we are scripting, coming up with what specifically are the biggest challenges, um, what is your music preference? In music therapy, we use the type of music that is preferred for the person that we're working with. Um, What is your music preference? Um, What do you want to achieve? What are your goals and objectives in working with that patient or client to specifically come up with them Um, and coming up with that? If the music therapist is directly involved in creating unique care plans and care plans and treatment plans and treatment strategies and goals and objectives okay, with the board certified music therapist, that's music therapy. So good. So we kind of had to make that differentiation, I think, because, because I think a lot of people are like, well, I love going to concerts or I love listening exactly. to to this right right but it is different because you're targeting you're targeting symptoms you're targeting certain things and you're making a treatment plan and then you're following that patient so that's very different so you mentioned that you're not great at activating your own self-care but what do you do for self-care strategies when you actually do follow through we're all guilty of that just so you know like you're not alone here's your dose of support. We're all guilty of like putting ourselves last, especially women who are listening. So music assisted relaxation is my absolute favorite thing for self-care. 
Um, with music-assisted relaxation, you are specifically focusing on your breath while listening to slow sedative music. What is awesome about this technique is that it is the restorative equivalent of two hours of sleep. No. Do you see like my jaws on the floor right now? So wait a second. How can people do this? Where do, is there an app? Is there something that, yeah, tell us, how do we... Can I just share just a little bit more information on that concept? Because this is really, really I just important. got really excited. That's fine. I know. And this is exactly why we created this Empowering Wellness Initiative. And we have those things already created for you. Oh. But this is really important is that 20, when you are exhausted, you come home from your shift or you're working with your kids all day long and they're driving you nuts and you just need a break, right? You just want to take a nap. But if you're like me and you like to work and you like to get things done, you just sit there and think about your to-do list <laughs> and don't fall asleep. Or you have, especially right now, a lot of people are having really anxious dreams with COVID because there's just so much uncertainty and all this icky stuff going on. Uh, so you, when you dream, you are not in control of your body. Uh, your heart rate goes up. Your, or if you have a bad dream, your heart rate goes up. Your respiratory, your breathe short, shallow breaths. Um, you physically tense. Um, your mind is just active and doesn't get the rest it needs. Your body is responding in a fight or flight situation, so you're, it doesn't get what it needs. With music-assisted relaxation, we use, um, ideally, music that is slow, consistent, predictable, um, um, has no words, so you don't think about the words, mm -hmm. uh, and it's just something to ground you with. Uh, we created at Living Spirit Therapy Services uh, an empowering wellness initiative. Uh, with this, uh, it was designed to help people take control of their physical and mental health and overall wellness. It was created specifically with healthcare workers, business owners, and parents in particular in mind. Uh, we tried to make it uh, so anybody at any level could jump right in and find something. So we've created four different ways to participate and people pick and choose what works best for them and what's most relevant for them. There are no requirements to do anything. If um, you want to do just one component of it, that's cool. If you want to do everything, that's cool too. They're set up at different time periods. There's a 60 second breathing exercises that you can do on your shift on the floor. Or that's uh, perfect. two and five and 20 minute exercises. We were hearing uh, that people are struggling with sleep. So we created a couple tracks that are specifically designed to help people let go of the physical and the mental stress um, so that they can sleep. As honestly, sleep is the number one thing that we can do to help maintain our health. And so many of us just don't get enough of it. Sleep hygiene is a huge thing um, that we haven't talked about the, this on the show very much, I think. And so having a good bedtime, having a bedtime routine, um, what you eat and drink before bedtime, and then finding a way to relax and unwind so that you, you can relax before you actually fall asleep and, and setting yourself up for success like that. These initiatives that your company has started, how do people access them? Yeah. So uh, we, if you go to our website, livingspirittherapy.com, uh, there's more information. Uh, we also have created a specific newsletter for parents, um, ways to talk to their kids about different strategies. We've got some kid-specific videos and audio tracks. Um, we've got different apps that are really great right now. So the way we have it set up um, is for healthcare workers, it's $100 for the entire company to join. Oh, wow. Uh, or like 
or uh, $75 per individual. And we also have it set up so that people from marginalized communities are able to participate for free if they don't have the resources Beautiful. to do it. I actually really like the, I think companies should invest in their employees. And so if there's a nurse manager listening or if there's a leader in, in a healthcare space that has employees, $100 is nothing right? Like to, to care for all of your employees. And so if there's a leader listening, I really encourage them to check out livingspirittherapy.com for, for this initiative. You know, you mentioned uh, the corporate side uh, during our break and um, um, some stats for why self-care is so important. Um, uh, research has shown that health-related work costs employers over $260 billion every year. And the prevalence of illness caused by poor lifestyle choices and modifiable risks is increasing every day. Additionally, research indicates that compliance with health and productivity programs have better business outcomes and financial returns. Uh, many businesses are working to provide uh, some sort of health and productivity management as a result. But they've also found that um, companies that invest in self-care and wellness programs have higher uh, increased creativity and innovation and enhanced resilience and self-care of the workers um, and also in uh, increased intellectual capacity. And I've got actual references for that information if anybody is interested in that. Well, you spoke to resiliency for a second there, and we actually know that resiliency training helps nurses. I'm, I only know the nurses aspect of this, but res resiliency training and teaching resiliency in intensive care environments actually helps prevent PTSD and burnout. So, um, so you're your statistics there are right on and, and in line with the knowledge that I have on this topic as well. So it sounds like you've given us so much to think about and what a treat to have such an expert in music therapy come and talk to us today. I think music therapy is not well understood. And so if folks have more questions for you, how can they find you? Yes, I would love to reach out, answer questions, um, help get people connected with music therapists. Uh, my website is livingspirittherapy.com, or people are welcome to connect with me directly at melissa at livingspirittherapy.com. Um, also, uh, with things happening with COVID, we're doing all of our services virtually right now. Uh, so if you are interested in um, getting music therapy a lot of music therapists are doing things virtually right now, which opens up access uh, yeah. for a lot of folks. Um, if people are interested in starting something up, uh, they can contact me directly or I can help them find somebody that is in their area to work with. And I would love to do that. It sounds like you can email Melissa directly, but if you're not sure about doing that first, you can always reach out to me at Dose of Support on Instagram or in our private Facebook group. And you can also email me at hello at doseofsupport.com. And if you go to our website, you can fill out a survey to share your story and share your expertise with us and self-care advice. And please, if you're enjoying the show, if you're learning something, if you think that this is valuable, go and give us a rating, write a review, tell me, give me direct feedback. I want to make the show better. This is our show. This is how we give each other a dose of support. And so I want to thank Melissa Spies for being on today. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Stories matter. And now we've captured another one. We'll be back next week with a brand new guest and a whole different story. 
Until then, make connections and give each other a dose of support. Dose of Support is written, produced, edited, everything by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by Rafael Sequeira. Don't forget to rate the show or leave feedback wherever you listen. I'm punching out until next week, where we try to find some self-care in healthcare once again. Thank you.